Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Let's get right into the message. You got your Bibles today? We love the Bible here at the Rhodes Church. We get excited when we open them up, so let's get them out and open them to Exodus chapter 33. Woo! Exodus 33. And uh, we're going to be talking about meeting with God. I've been on this. I'm the guest speaker today. I haven't preached in a month here at the church, so it's great to be back. I want to thank uh, all, 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 I guess I haven't been preaching in a while. Uh, I want to thank Matt Woodruff and uh, Blake Bradley and Lee Grady, all the people that spoke while I was gone. Just fantastic job, each and every one of them. We're just thankful that this church is not about one person other than Jesus. And so uh, no matter who's uh, giving us the Word of God, the Word of God is what we want. Amen? Yeah. Amen. We want the Word of God. So uh, let's, let's pray as we get into the Word. Let's prepare our hearts to receive that Word. Distractions and everything else get out of the way. Let's, let's hone in on what Jesus wants to do. Father in heaven, I thank you that this is your Word, the bread of life. I ask you to open up in a way that we will see things we've never seen before and hear things that maybe we've never heard before, but it will all point us to you. So I pray for clarity of thought and communication. I pray for clarity of understanding and revelation. I pray, Lord, that you will confirm the word with signs following, that it will not be about a performance of somebody on the stage, but it will be about you accomplishing what you want done. So we look to you, and we give you all the credit for it. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. amen. Exodus 33, I'm going to start reading in verse 12. We've been talking about meeting with God, and I've been on this uh, for a few weeks back when I was preaching. Uh, we talked about some of these things already, so I encourage you to go back on, get our, download our app. The Rhodes Church has an app. You can download that, watch all the messages. You can uh, get information, calendar events, do any of your giving, all on there. So get the app. It makes it a lot easier for you to access information here and, and stay up to date with what's going on. Exodus 33, reading verse 12, says, Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. Notice in verse 13 what Moses is saying to God. He says, now therefore, I pray, if God had just told him, you found grace in my sight and uh, we're good, man, I'm excited about you, wonderful, that's awesome. And then uh, Moses says, okay, if I found grace in your sight, then show me now your way. Show me your way. I think it's interesting that he asked him to show him his way. What does he mean when he says, show me your way? The word way in the Hebrew, the Old Testament is written in the Hebrew language, and, and this word in the Hebrew just means uh, to walk or to tread. So it's like it talks about how you do things, how you walk, how you live your life, or how you operate, how you function. So Moses was saying, God, show me how you do things. Another way of saying it, he was asking him to show him why. Because in uh, Psalm chapter 103, verse 7, it says, 
he made, his, he made known his ways to Moses, speaking about God, and his acts, acts to the children of Israel. Let me clarify. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of, of Israel. What's the difference? The difference is he showed Moses the why, and the children of Israel just saw the what. It's very important. This is a life principle for us. If you're going to sit down with a leader, someone that's influential, someone you're wanting to model things after, if you want to grow, you're looking at a mentor, if you get to sit down with someone and ask them questions, let me give you some tips. The questions you need to be asking them should be centered more around why than what. If you want to grow and mature in your leadership, and whether it's in the business world or, or get marital advice or, or whatever it may be, health and fitness and all that stuff, ask questions more that are in alignment than, with why than they are what. If you only just talk about what and ask questions around what, you will just imitate and repeat. But if you understand why, you will begin to develop an understanding that supports the what. The what without understanding and revelation and perspective will be empty and you will not be able to last. If the what is, someone says, well, I get to work every morning at 5 o'clock. Okay, I've got to get to work every morning at 5 o'clock. So you just show up at work at 5 o'clock and you're tired. You're like, I want to go to bed. That didn't do a thing for me. You didn't ask them why they go at 5. If you ask them why they go at 5, now when you go at 5, you know what you're supposed to be doing. Does that make sense? And this is what he's talking about, that he showed his ways to Moses. The people just saw what he did. If you only get attached to what God does for you, you will never develop the relationship of why he does. I just want God to heal me. Well, that, that's great, but why does he want to heal you? I just want God to fix this. Just whatever needs to happen, just fix it. Just do it. Our focus is on that instead of the person. And I'm telling you, if we're going to grow, we have to embrace relationship and why and the ways of God and not just what God does. Does that make sense for you? Proverbs chapter 10 verse, or, or sorry, how does that apply to us? Of Psalm 128 verse 1. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in his ways. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in his ways. When I read verses like that, this is what I do. This is how I apply scripture to myself. And again, if it doesn't work for you, find your own way. But when I read, blessed is everyone who dot, 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 what's next? I want to be one of those. I want, I want to be blessed. Blessed is everyone. Everyone. Does that include me? Yes. Does that include you? Yes. Blessed is everyone who, we need to know the next part. If I want to be one of the everyones, if I want to be one of the who's, then I want, to be, I want to figure out what's next. Blessed is everyone who does what? Who fears the Lord. Number one, fears the Lord. Number two, walks in his ways. So when I see that, when I read that, I'm like, okay, then I want to know what is the opposite. So what happens to people who don't fear the Lord and don't walk in his ways? That's how we apply scripture. Like, okay, um, if I don't walk in his ways, am I going to be blessed? Not according to this. 
If I don't fear the Lord, am I going to be blessed? Not according to this. So is it in my best interest to fear the Lord and walk in his ways? Yes. Proverbs 10, 29 says, The way of the Lord is strength for the upright. The way of the Lord. So there's a way of the Lord and there's a not a way of the Lord. I'm going to drop a revelatory bomb on you. This is going to be deep, so strap on. You're going to need theological understanding on a level that is beyond seminary. There are only two ways. The way of the Lord and not the way of the Lord. Did you catch that? You need a doctorate to misunderstand that. There's only the way of the Lord and not the way of the Lord. There's no third way. And that's what we think. We think, well, I'm not necessarily doing it God's way, but, you know, I'm kind of just doing my thing right now. I, I know I should be doing I know God wants me to do that, but right now I'm just kind of, I'm not doing it the devil's way. I'm just kind of doing it my way. There is no third way. There's God's way and not God's way. And he's saying that if we do it that's not God's way, what is the end result? There's strength if I do it God's way, but if I don't do it God's way, it leads to destruction. So I say that seriously as an encouragement. Don't get fooled into thinking there's a third way. But our world, our culture will teach you there's God, there's the devil, and there's this big in-between area. There is no big in-between. God, not God. Is that clear? So that's why we want to follow his way. The purpose of his, what is the purpose of knowing his ways? He said, Moses said, show me now your way. For what reason? That I may know you. That I may know you. Moses, all the things he could ask for, he said, I want to know you, God. That word know there just talks about becoming known, uh, having understanding, discovering something at a personal, revelatory way. In other words, you have knowledge of it. It's not just you heard about it. But show me your ways that I may know you. Not show me your ways so that I can see how it will benefit me. Show me your ways so that I can know you. Many times we want to know how doing, God things, doing things God's way is going to benefit us. We'll say, things, well, what am I going to get out of it? People preach on tithing. Pastor Mona did a great job presenting uh, tithes and offering time and giving and talking about tithing. So what am I going to get out of this tithing thing? <clears throat> Wrong answer. Show me your ways, not so I can get what I get out of it. It's, Lord, just show me your ways. If I forgive them, what am I going to get out of it? <clears throat> Wrong answer. His ways are what we're after. There will be results from it, I promise. But that's not our motivation. Our motivation is that I may know you. We need to get past, push, keep pushing past religion and just desire. What if our greatest desire was to actually know God? What would it be like if our primary goal was to know him and not just think going to church was enough? I'm telling you, going to church is great, but going to church is unto something. And that something is knowing God. Should we come to church? Absolutely. But we come to church to know him, not to let everybody see us so I can see them out in the public and say, I was there. Great that you're here, but do you know more than you did before you came? Do you know him? 
That's what he's saying. Moses was one of the, this was his request that I may know him. And Moses was one of the most influential people in the Old Testament. Think about it for a moment. Moses wrote through the Holy Spirit, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The first five books of the Bible called the Pentateuch or the Torah. These are the most important passages of scripture for the traditional Jews. Moses wrote those five books, also wrote uh, uh, quite a bit of Psalms, some parts in Psalms Moses wrote. So Moses was one of the most influential. When Jesus uh, transfigured on the Mount of Olives, it was him and Elijah that came back. Moses is a pretty big deal. And with his influence, with all the things he could ask for, what did he ask for? That I may know you. So is knowing God important? I think so. Let's take Apostle Paul. Let's go to New Testament. Some people don't like Old Testament. They should. Let me move on to Old New Testament. I started to say a lot more about that, but I'm just going to move on. New Testament, Paul, the Apostle Paul. You guys know Paul used to be Saul, blind by light, kind of like I am right now. Then he can't see, so then he gets wandered around. Then he becomes born again. Then he goes on to write 13, maybe 14, if you want to give him credit for Hebrews, at least a minimum 13 books in the New Testament. 13 out of 27, if you're wondering. And what does he say? He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, For I determined not to know anything among you, among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I don't want to know anything except Jesus, that I may know him. He said, he goes on in Philippians to write this, that I've suffered the loss of everything in my life. I've suffered the loss of all things. And I count them all as trash, as garbage, as poo, as dung. I count everything I've ever known as garbage compared to knowing Jesus. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. So if Moses and Paul Two of the most influential people in the Bible made it their primary goal to know God. How much should we make that our primary goal? We want to know him. So do we know God is the question. If, I, if you're saying, Chad, well, I need to know God. Do I know God? I think most of us, if, we, if people would ask us on the street, if we come up and say, hey, do you know God? Most people that attend church regularly would say, absolutely, I know God. So how do we know if we know God? a big question. I mean, God's kind of a big deal. He's kind of big. How do I know that I know God? There's no way I know everything about God or he wouldn't even need to be God. There's no way we're going to understand everything about God in our physical realm world if we're able to because he's beyond that. He wouldn't be God if we could figure him out. I don't want, I don't even, I can't even understand or fathom a God that I knew everything, what he was going to do and how he's going to do it and when he's going to do it. He's bigger than that. So don't get intimidated by the question, but here's one thing we can do in knowing God. Let the Bible tell us how do we know if we know God. First John chapter 2 says, Now by this we know that we know him. Ding, 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 ding. Pay attention. How do I know if I know God? The Bible just said, inspired by the Holy Spirit, John wrote, By this we know that we know him. So whatever's coming next is going to be how I know if I know God. Are you with me? I think I know God because I know, here's how we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. That's kind of a mic drop moment. How do we know if we know God? Uh, if we keep his commandments. So is it important for us to know his commandments? We can't keep commandments we don't know. 
So if, if, he goes, let's read the next verse. For he or she says, I know him. Oh, I know him. I know him. If anybody knows God, I do. <laughs> they may not say it like that. but He or she who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a, what's a strong word. Man, liar, liar, pants on fire. He or she who says, I know him and doesn't keep his commandments is not telling the truth. I know God. Oh, I, I know God. I'm just not doing what he wants me to do. I know God. I know him really well. I know him really well. I'm just kind of doing my own thing right now. The Bible's telling us, and again, it's important for us to understand. I need to hear this. We all need to hear this. But whoever keeps his word, verse 5, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. By this we know that we are in him. Why? If we keep his commandments. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just... Let's read six, 6 again. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Wow. What's the bar? Jesus. How Jesus lived is how we're supposed to live. We've all got something to come up to. I'm not talking down like you lowly people. I'm arrived. I'm, I'm preaching this for my own application as well. But we've got to understand we need to hear tough truths sometimes to remind us if we say we know God and we're not following him, we are not telling ourselves the truth. We're lying to ourselves. And what's happened in our society, we've created a bunch of soft Soft, I'm looking for other words, soft is a great word, where we can't take any type of criticism, we can't take any type of hard truth hitting us in the face and being honest with us and saying, you're not doing what God's called you to do, get out of that and follow him, well don't hurt my feelings, don't offend me, I just want you to pump me up and make me feel good preacher. You ought to be thankful I'm sitting in your church. Tell me how good I am. Tell me how much God loves me. That's wonderful. All that is true. But we also need to hear, if I'm telling God I know him and I'm not keeping his commandments, I'm lying to myself. I would rather someone offend me right now and make me feel bad right now, but it brought conviction into my heart and I get right with God and stand before him someday and say, and, and hear, welcome in good and faithful servant than for me to bow up here and say, yeah, that offends me and walk away and go up to him someday. Been in church my whole life and stand before God and him say, I'm sorry, I don't know you. What? I was in church all the time when I could. When I had time. When I was available. When I could work it in online. <laughs> Notice how we went down. So I don't, I'm not criticizing anybody's attendance. I'm just saying we need to know God. And that's what Moses was saying. Show me your ways that I may know him. All right, let's go. Let's move on. Verse 14. And he said, so God said, since Moses said, show me your way that I may know you, God was like, ooh, he was pleased with that. You want to know me? Ooh, you're talking my kind of language now, Moses. So now I'm going to answer you with verse 14. And he said, my presence will go with you. 
and I will give you rest. Let's look at that. My presence will go with you, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. I'll tell you what the word rest means. It means to settle down, to take a break from activities in order to be refreshed. Anybody need refreshing? Anybody need rest in your life, mentally, physically, rest? He says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Here's what I jotted down in my notes. You can jot this down. God's presence equals rest. No presence equals no rest. So I'm not after rest. I'm after presence. Because if I just go after rest, then I will decide what rest looks like. If I go after presence, he gets decide, to decide what rest looks like. <laughs> he says, I will give you rest, not you will tell me that you need rest. I will give you rest. Are you connecting this? I hope, I hope you're just studiously writing down notes. God's saying, here's what I want you to do. I want to be with you. And while we're together, I will make sure and give you rest as needed. But you got to be in my presence. And what does Jesus say? Jesus confirms this in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all you who, are labor, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But he said, come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. All your heavy are, are labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Acts 3, 19 says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from TV. Times of refreshing may come from scrolling over and over and over. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So Jesus said, come to me, I'll give you rest. Times of refreshing will come from my presence. Here's what I feel like God's saying to us. He's just reminding us. We're trying to determine what rest looks like in our life. And God's saying, I know what's rest for you. I know what looks like the best rest for you. So trust me with giving you rest. And sometimes we assess what rest looks like, like we need to stop doing this or that, and we start telling God, you know, I need a break, so here's what I'm going to do. I need some free time. So we, we stop doing certain things and stop going to God. How much better would our life be if we let God tell us what rest looks like? He said, my presence, I'll, I'll give you rest. So how many people, this is, I'm just trying to apply it in practical ways. How many people, when they're really tired and burnt out, go, you know what I need? I've got to get in the presence of God. How many people say, you know what? I am just going to sit here and watch TV. I need to rest. You know, I'm going to unplug. I need a break. I'm going to rest. I'm not going to serve, gosh, with kids and on the pantry or in the service and production. Or, I just need to rest. I just, I just need, need to rest. I need, I need rest. I need rest. So I, I know I'm supposed to be doing this and, and doing that. And I know God asked me to do that, but I just need to take a break. 
How many people, how many times in our life, I should say, when we need a rest, are we running to the presence of God versus running to our own definition of what rest looks like? And we, get, and we unplug from what God told us to do, thinking we would get rest, and we actually get unrest out of it because we're not doing what he called us to do. I'm telling you, rest with God looks like more of him and not less of him. Rest, rest with God looks like being in his presence more, not unplugging and just vegging out. And stop going to church, stop reading my Bible, stop praying, and just say, well, I don't know, I'm just on some rest time. Got to give me some me time, some R&R. That's not what rest looks like. And I'm not saying that condemning or criticizing. I'm giving us all what the Bible's telling us. If we want to be restful, refreshed people, then get in the presence of God. Get in his presence at home, at work, in your car. Put the worship music on and sing all the way to work. If you've had a stressful day at work and just, man, it has been crazy. And before you go home, put some worship music on and say, Lord, let's ride home together. I need you. Because where you are, Lord, there is rest and I need some rest. But if the only time we listen to Christian music is in the church, I wonder why we're not getting our rest. Food for thought. Food for thought. Look what he says. So he says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. My presence will go. What's the word presence mean? The word presence there means face. means the front part of the head. Like your eyes, nose, mouth. I'm thinking Jesus, when he says my presence will go with you, my face will go with you. If someone's arm goes with you, it's not clearly identified. It could be any arm. If a hand or a foot you know, leg goes with you. It's a, but when, you, when the face goes, it's clearly distinguish it from anything else. You see someone's face, you don't wonder who they are. Someone throws out an arm to you, unless they've got some kind of identifying scar or something, you might like, I, that's an arm. I don't know whose arm that is. But when you see their face, you're like, oh, I know who that is. And God is saying, my face will go with you, Moses. You will clearly understand who I am. And the second part of that definition I think is cool. He says the personal existence of something in a particular place that usually interacts with objects around it. Interacts with our objects around it. Here's what God's saying. Moses, my presence is going to go with you. And he's saying when my presence goes with you, I can't help but interact with objects around me. This is why we want to be in his presence. Because he wants to interact with you. This is why we're praying for his presence to be in our services. So that when you walk in, he immediately starts to interact with you. I don't know what that interaction is going to look like for you. It's going to look different for you than it may be the person beside you. Some people, when God begins to interact with you, you just begin to cry. You don't even know why you're crying. I prayed this morning as I was praying for the presence of God to come, I was praying over the chairs, and I prayed, as soon as your tukas hit that fabric, that the presence of God would touch your life. I said, Lord, as soon as they walk in the room, I don't want them to be impressed with me, anything else. I want them to feel you. I want them to know you're here. I want them to be impacted. Interact with them, God. Because when he begins to interact, all of a sudden deliverance starts to happen. 
You don't even know what's going on. All of a sudden, somebody's getting delivered. Nobody around him even knows. You're like, well, nothing's happening today. I'll tell you, nothing's going on at all. God's not even moving. Two rows down from you, someone's getting delivered from addiction. And you don't even know it. So for other people, when, interact, when he's interacting, conviction comes, and all of a sudden, they feel so sorry about what they've been doing and saying, and now God's speaking to them, and they're like, i got to get my life right. i got to get my life. You don't know about it. Nobody else, nobody watching online knows about it, but that person in that moment, God is interacting with them, and he's bringing up something, and he's saying, that right there, I want that in your life, and they begin to repent and say, Jesus, forgive me. I don't want to do that again. Other people he's interacting with, and it's a relational interaction. It's a physical interaction. Maybe they get healed. All of a sudden, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where'd that pain go? Nobody even prayed for you. Nobody anointed you with oil. You didn't fall down. Just in the presence, he begins to interact with people. He begins to bring up things to you that I'm not even talking about. That's what I love about God. You can be sitting here and all of a sudden God starts bringing up something that's just connected indirectly to something I might have suggested and he says, that right there, what happened to you that many years ago? I want you to realize I forgive you and I'm moving forward. He begins to interact and that's what I'm praying that he will interact. He says, my presence will go with you. It will go with you, not just just to know about me, but I want to interact with you. That's my prayer here at the church. Look what Moses' response is in verse 15. Because God said, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And Moses was like, dude, uh, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. God said, hey, my presence is going to go with you. Remember context, context, you need to understand context. Children of Israel were promised Canaan land, the promised land, big grapes, Land flowing of milk and honey, houses you didn't build, all this kind of stuff. He said, I've got it ready for you. You can go in and possess it. And they're like, great. But then they rebelled and went against God and kind of frustrating and not doing what he asked them to do. So at one point, God said, okay, you know what? You know what? If you're not appreciative of the manna, appreciative of the quail, appreciative of the water, appreciative of that's okay. Here's what happened. You guys can have the promised land. I'm going to let you go in there, but I'm not going to go with you. That's prior to this verse. That's, if you can read back in, and you'll see where God told Moses, you can have the promised land, I'm just not going to go with you. And Moses was responding here when God finally said, uh, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said, hey, God, if your presence isn't going, I don't want to go. Moses was saying, I would rather stay in this desert with these complaining people as long as your presence is there, than to go into the cushy life that you've promised us without you. Here's the challenge. Do we want God or do we want what he will do for us? A lot of times we're just satisfied with what he'll do for us. Because here's, here's how it proves out. Here's how it proves out. We're struggling. Usually I get meetings with people not when everything's going awesome. I don't get, nobody's calling meetings saying, I just want to come in and testify <laughs> the abundance of blessings in my life. Oh, if I could count the ways, Chad. I am overflowing. My cup runneth over. You know, I don't get those meetings. The meetings I get are probably a year 
five years, ten years too late where they've already made decisions and they're in desperate times, struggling, adversity, ready to quit, not, things not going well, and God's saying, listen, here's, here's what can happen. So those people in that place, they're desperate. They're crying out to God. God, help me. I'll do whatever I need to do. I'll, I'll come in. I'll serve. They get involved. I'll, I'll do whatever. And then all of a sudden, things begin to turn. God answers their prayer. They begin to get blessed, maybe get a new job. Now they, they were struggling to be able to buy groceries, get food from our pantry, blessing from the Lord, working good. That's what it's for. It was a wonderful transition. Now blessing comes, got a good job, things are going well, and all of a sudden I can't find them. Where, where, where did they go? Well, they got money now that, to buy things that keep them busy. If we're not after God, we'll just be after the things that God can give us. And God will give us those things but it will not be what you really want. You really want him. I really want him. The things are good. I believe blessings come with following God. I believe he wants us to do well. I believe success is part of obeying God. All of that is good. But I'm just saying, we can't do it as an either or. We need it as a both and. And if I've got to sacrifice anything, I better sacrifice the things and cling to the presence. And that's what Moses was saying. I will take the desert with you than to have abundance without you. So don't, don't, don't take me up from here. So here's the question we have. What, do we understand that God is the prize and not what he will give us? Too many times that we're willing to take the things and we're concerned more about where we're going and what we're doing than we are about who is with us. Questions, application. As you're getting ready to date someone, young person, or older person that's single, you're getting ready to enter into a relationship with someone. Are you asking the question, Lord, are you with us in this? Are you with me? Or are you just asking, how hot are they? Are you asking, Lord, if I'm going to move from this job to the next job, are you with me? Remember, your presence go with me or do not take me from here. Got a job offer. Bigger salary, more benefits. Are you saying, Lord, you have been with me up to this point. Are you going to be with me there? Because if you're not with me there, I don't care what they offer me. It will not compare to you. I will stay where I am. Misery, not happy, not going well. Then to go somewhere where people say it's great, but you're not in that. Getting ready to go to a school, going off to college. Picking a career path. God, are you in it? Marriage, getting ready to get married. God, are you in it? I'm just trying to give you opportunities to apply it to your life. Lord, are you, is your presence with me? Is your presence with this purchase? I've got the money. I'm going to buy this thing. I want it. I'm recommending from personal experience. I'd ask him, Lord, are you in that purchase? Are, are you in that? Because I don't want to get something because I think I want it now and six months wondering why I bought that. Show me where you are. I want to be with you. I want to be with you. Look what he says in 16. We'll close here. 
If your presence isn't in it, don't take me from here. If it doesn't have your approval, God, then it doesn't have mine. Do you hear me? Are you saying this? Can we say this to God? Lord, if it doesn't have your approval, then it doesn't have mine. What I'm watching, what I'm reading, what I'm looking at on my phone. Lord, if it doesn't have your approval, it doesn't have mine. That movie, Lord, does it have your approval? Well, I don't think we should get that picky. Come on, let's move on. Don't start meddling, Chad. Do we want him? What would it be like? What would it be, what would it be like if Jesus could actually appear in the flesh to us? I don't think we want this. But let's just say, let's just say we could. Him and the Holy Spirit come and sit on your couch as we're watching TV. I'll just say it about me. As I'm watching TV and a show comes on and I'm watching it because it's one of my favorite shows, having a great time, and all of a sudden something said or something happens and Jesus and the Holy Spirit stand up and walk out of the room. And I go, whoa, whoa, where are you going? It's not over. They said, it is for us. What, what are you talking about? That's not, not that bad. I thought, There's a lot of worse stuff. They're like, that's up to you. But we're out. What if we lived our life with that kind of measure? And I'm challenging myself. I'm not talking down to anybody. I'm challenging myself. What if I sat there and I imagine Holy Spirit sitting with me and then as soon as I say, Holy Spirit, you let me know if you don't like anything. Because if you're not here, I don't want to be here. If you get up and leave, it's no longer entertainment. Because look what it says in verse 16. He says, if your presence doesn't come with us, don't bring us up from here. Verse 16, Mo uh, Moses replies back, for how then... Will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate. Everybody say separate. Your people and I from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. What separated them from everybody else on the planet? Was it Moses' superior theological position from the Canaanites? Lord, the Torah will separate us from the Canaanites. Is that what he said? Oh, I'm going to challenge some religion real quick. Help me, Jesus. Was it the Torah will separate us from everyone else? What did he say? Your presence. The Torah was never meant to be separate from his presence. It's supposed to be both and. What happened is people were willing to have part without him. Give me another example. The Ark of the Covenant. Maybe you know about the Ark of the Covenant? Had the mercy seat on top of it. 
It was the place where the manifest presence of God would come in the Holy 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 of Holies, only come once a year. A high priest could go in there. That was the place of the presence of God. It's the place where the guy touched it when they were trying to transport on a cart, and he got zapped and died. That's the presence of God. It was just a box without the presence. It was a box wrapped in gold without the presence. What made the Ark of the Covenant special? Was it the Ark? It was not the gold. It was not the wings of, and the craftsmanship of how they made the wings. All that was good. But what made it special? The presence of God. What makes this wood and rafters and lights, what makes a place special? The presence. What makes this flesh and bone and muscle and tissue, what makes it special? He said, what separates us from everybody else in the, in the world, Lord, it's, it's going to be your presence. And again, I'm not contradicting the word and the presence. The word speaks of his presence and points us to his presence, supports his presence. Everything's filtered and understanding comes from the word. It's a both and, and this is what he's telling him. Lord, we should be separate because of your presence. So here's what I feel like I was asking today and wanting to deal with a couple of things. Number one, are we following his ways? Are we following his ways? Are we, are we doing what he's asked us to do? Are we doing our own way? Remember, there's no, not three. There's only two. There's the way of the Lord and not the way of the Lord. Which one are we following? All of us have to evaluate that, okay? That's not a you thing. That's a me thing. All of us. Number two, how many needs rest in their life? I just need some rest. I am wore out. I'm burnt out, whatever. Here's what God's speaking to me. You apply it to your own life. Because I listen to pastors and preachers, and they talk about burnout. Don't get burnt out. You're going to do this. You're going to burn out. Don't. I'm not getting into all that. We talk about it. And I, I'm asking the Lord about it. Lord, I don't want to get burnt out. Should I do less? He's, his response to me, do more of what I tell you to do, and I will give you rest. Things that I'm not telling you to do, don't do them. But when I tell you to do something, we have to stop listening to lazy people that tell us, you're doing too much down there at the church. You need to relax with me and watch Netflix for three or four hours a night. You're just getting involved too much. You need to, you're going to burn out. I'm telling you, you're going to burn out. Did God tell you to do it? I understand if God didn't tell you to do it, then you do obey Him. But we've got to stop listening to people and wondering why we're not getting rest. We will get rest when God says, do what I tell you to do. I will give you rest. You don't give yourself rest, Chad. You don't tell me when you need a break. I will give you rest if you follow me. If you will do what I tell you to do, I will make sure you're rested and you will be refreshed. You'll be refreshed when we do it God's way. That's why we want to do it His way, not ours. Because I don't know when I, should I take a break here, God? Should I take a nap here? Should I do this? Should I do that? This person wants me to do that. You guys are all pulled in all kinds of different directions. You know what I'm talking about. This person said, you need to get more involved in this. You need to do this. You need this work. You need to volunteer here. We're like, oh. 
Where's our rest come from? Where's our rest come from? Seeing who was listening to the message that I just went on and on about. Where does our rest come from? His presence. So how much time are we spending in His presence determines how rested we will be. I just don't have time. Okay, good luck. I don't have time for all that reading and praying stuff. I got work to do. Okay, good luck. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm just telling you, you're going to be unrested. Well, I don't have time to just pray all day. I don't either. Find some time at some point to get in the presence of God. In the shower, be in the presence of God. In your car, if you got a 30-minute commute, you got 30 minutes of just you in the presence of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.